calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. everybody and welcome uh, to a brand new spoiler review episode for strange new world season two episode eight here from the geek buddies hey i mean we really should be like oh after this episode (laughs) arguably the darkest episode of the first two seasons under the cloak of war we get deeper into the klingon war deeper in what happened on that moon of jagal and we find out who the butcher of jagal actually is in this episode and there's a lot to talk about and uh break into uh uh break down here uh, and then a lot of star trek six references which for me is one of my favorite uh, star trek movies i'm really excited to kind of uh, touch base on those as well so a lot to discuss here in this one uh michael i go to you always uh, first to whether shannon's on with us or not to ask <laughs> go, michael i go to you first because you are the only other person in this review thank you so much john oh i so appreciate it um, yeah and there's a lot to discuss here mike we have a lot of like it's this interesting episode as we see um as we see ambassador dakra come on to the ship and what it causes and triggers for a lot of people and there are questions throughout this episode mike about the idea of forgiveness, about the idea of war, about the idea of being able to come back from war, PTSD, uh, what you do for closure, peace, and some questionable actions by the end of the episode that make us question two of our beloved characters on the main crew uh, of the Starship Enterprise. So just very, very shocking stuff, dark stuff here. And after we've had a run of like these really uplifting, positive, like let's confront stuff and get through it, this one leaves us with a little more darkness, a little more gray, for sure, by the end of the episode. And there's a lot of philosophical stuff for us to discuss as well. So, Michael, your overall thoughts on this episode. My, I mean, it's a great episode. Yeah. It, if you are a fan, particularly, I mean, if you're a fan of Star Trek in general, Klingons are one of the greatest things that has ever come out of Star Trek. 100%. If you are a fan of the original movies... Klingons are just like that is a huge thing. I mean, you mentioned Star Trek uh, Undiscovered Country, which obviously there's a lot of connections, but even everything that goes on with Kirk and his relationship with the Klingons and how much he hates them through Star Trek uh, 3 and Star Trek 4, like there's just so much happening. Um, And to your point, in a season, like putting this episode between the Lower Decks crossover (laughs) and the musical musical episode episode that's coming next week is just a balls out move. Also, we've talked a lot this season about the episodes and we keep kind of, as we're ranking everything, saying the first episode of the season didn't really kick off for us in the best way, didn't love it as much. Yeah. But if you, if that first episode, that first episode walked so this episode could run. Like doing <laughs> doing what they did with Mbenga and Chapel there, dealing with the Klingons, kind of some of that stuff, kind of having them use that uh, the serum that gives them the power, just yeah, getting yeah. the hint that they had served. 
I think was a really nice piece of information to have there in, at the beginning of the season so that this episode could just dive right in and didn't have yeah. to do uh, even more than they already did. Like it kind of let them just jump in both in the what was happening on the Enterprise and in the flashback. So it's a fascinating episode. I mean, again, Strange New Worlds is doing what the best sci-fi does, which is this idea of forgiving your enemies, mm -hmm. letting go of the past. Can you let go of the past? Is it right to give people the opportunity to change? Like all of these are big questions that we wrestle with. I mean, yeah. and this isn't just in Star Trek, it's in everything. Is it right that Luke Skywalker forgives his dad after his dad was space Hitler? Yeah. Uh, is it is it okay that Superman and Batman don't kill when Wonder Woman does kill? Like this entire struggle in most of our geek stories that are about good and evil, which is, what's the right thing to do? And with Star Trek particularly, knowing that the Klingons were this horrible enemy that did such horrible things to the Federation, yeah. but also knowing that we love Worf in Next Generation and love that the Klingons and the Federation eventually work things out, watching this entire process throughout, uh, this was watching Mbenga uh, deal with his opinions of the Klingons, I would say was as interesting and as thrilling yeah. as watching Kirk deal with his feelings about the Klingons in Star Trek, the undiscovered country. So yeah. Yeah. it's really, it's like, it is a treasure trove of Federation history, uh, as well as a really interesting ethical and moral conundrum. And I told my brother, this, as we were watching the episode, the strange new worlds crew, is very quickly rising up the ranks. And if they keep doing what they're doing, yeah. may become one of my favorite crews in all of Star Trek history. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's already, yeah, I agree. It's climbing like a rock uh, to the top of the list of, not actually the number one, but certainly in the top few uh, uh, list there, numbers there for the, uh, for the best crews in Star Trek, for sure. Yeah, Under the Cloak of War, a lot in here that I thoroughly enjoyed. And Michael, you made a lot of excellent points about the episode itself. But I also think, just like great Star Trek did in the original series, making a commentary about what's going on in our real world, right? I mean, to, the last few decades, we've had to really come to terms with this kind of stuff, going all the way back to Nazi Germany. And do we arrest all these people who served in these camps and put you know, the Jews to that terrible execution that they did, the six million Jews that died? Do we go after them? Do we go after all of them? Do we find them? People are still finding soldiers who serve for the SS at those concentration camps. Go all the way to apartheid, what happened in South Africa with, with the Bishop Desmond Tutu saying we need to forgive these people in order for us to move on from apartheid and then people pushing back against that. So I like that both sides of this debate and this argument uh, are here. E even the idea of reparations for the ancestors of people who were slaves in this country is a, a, a matter for much heated debate and this idea of forgiveness and a way of closure, giving closure, giving peace. So it has so many um, real world connections that I really enjoyed about the show. But of course, on the surface, it's fantastic just as a show. Yeah itself and i thoroughly enjoyed that for sure um want to give some love two things here jeffrey w bird is the director on this one he's a guy who was becoming a director in demand on the tv side of things he just started out directing music videos for uh, artists like nas and bone thugs and harmony and naughty by nature and then did some theatrical features but he's been doing tv now for a little while and he's directed episodes of star trek discovery yellow jackets and a few episodes of The Flash as well recently. And then the writer on this one is Davey Perez, who wrote season one's Memento Mori as a co-writer, then did All Who Wonder, Wander rather, which is the Gorn Babies episode, which really messed us up big time. And then this season's Among the Lotus Eaters. He was a co-writer on that one. So I guess when Davey's name is attached to this, you better strap in because it's going to take a lot out of you emotionally when you're watching an episode written by Davey Perez. Um, all right, we're going to jump into it and break it down. The way I've, I've kind of broke it down is that we're going to deal with uh, um, Dakra on the ship and what happens with everybody and then deal with uh, the flashbacks and uh, get into the big reveal and then some Easter eggs as well. So let's not waste any time because there's so much to discuss here. Um, first of all, Robert Wisdom plays Klingon ambassador, former general Dakra. Uh, and you've seen him recently on Barry and The Wire playing Bunny in The Wire. And Clint Howard is a guest star in this one as Buck Martinez. Uh, and Clint Howard, of course, has a long history of being a part of Star Trek. And I'll tell you all about it 
for, uh, later on. All right, so as we heard in Broken Circle, which was the season two premiere, as Michael was talking about, Mbenga and Chapel's time serving together in the Klingon War was highlighted there. We saw them use what we now know as Protocol 12 when they fought off to everybody that they fought off there to get out of that situation in episode one of season two. Ambassador Dakra shows up on the ship. He is known as the Butcher of Jagal. He is now an ambassador working with the Federation who has sp spread peace throughout the galaxy, recently in the Prospero system. Ortegas is not happy about this. We see Ortegas and Uhura having themselves a little bit of a back and forth there on the deck of the ship, which is an interesting thing to see more and more of Ortegas's opinions and strong points of views coming through as we watch this show. But Dakra is there to really unsettle what is happening all with everybody who was there on Jagal. We see that Spock burns uh, Dakra's hands with this rocket Gino that he's trying to make, this coffee, this Klingon coffee that was first introduced in uh, Deep Space Nine. Then we get to a dinner where Mbenga, or sorry, where Mbenga and Ortegas call him out, right? Call him out at the dinner as Chapel tries to keep control of her anger, much to Spock's dismay because he can't seem to help her. Help her. Dakra claims that his... Views have shifted, but he remains. But uh, Ortega says, "Remain Klingon," and reminds him of that battle cry, that war cry that was there. Uh, we see uh, Pike borrow some Delton parsley for this dinner for his jambalaya. Uh, uh, Mike, that's got to be if they do a Strange New Worlds restaurant, the jambalaya is going to have to be on that menu for God's sakes. Then we see Mabenga and Dakra engage in some Klingon, Klingon martial arts called Makbara. Uh, Dakra wants to form an alliance with Mabenga, and Benga gives him a chance to come clean by asking him. Who fought the hardest uh, there when you went after all the Klingons there that you killed your own men to get off that ship and, and be able to stop the war? Dakra lies. Then Dakra meets Mbenga at sickbay, and we learn after he learns his time is being cut short on the ship, and they debate Mbenga in joining him, and we'll uh, talk about what happens after that. So let's just deal with this. Mike, Dakra coming on the ship causes a lot of turbulence here, <laughs> literal and figuratively, on the ship with Ortegas, Chapel, and Benga, uh, and Pike, and uh, Una as well, dealing with it as well, and Uhura trying to maybe find some way to find peace in all of this. So a lot of shades of Star Trek Six. David Warner's character in Star Trek Six coming on to the ship to negotiate peace between the Klingon and the Feder Klingons and the Federation after that moon blows up at the beginning of Star Trek Six, and we see the issues that Kirk has. We see that the original series crew has a lot of issues except for Spock who is trying to broker the peace here. So a lot of shades of Star Trek six. What are your thoughts uh, on uh, Dakra coming on and what happens to everybody on the ship? I mean, I think it was, they did such a lovely job of drawing this distinction of these, these people on the ship fought in the Klingon wars. These people did not. Right. The Klingon yes. wars. We now know from discovery. They, they weren't the Klingon Federation war. Wasn't very long. It was about a year. Yeah. It was a very intense year. Um, it was, I believe, uh, let's see, I have yeah. it right here, 2256 to 2257. Yep. Uh, and I think the Strange New Worlds takes place in like 59. Yep. So well, everything that happened is pretty fresh. It was only a couple years ago. It was super, super intense. It was kicked off in uh, the season premiere of, uh, the series premiere of uh, Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the spore drive in Discovery was kind of created to give the Federation a leg up in the Klingon War. So yeah. we get here into the ship and like Ortegas, Chapel, Mbenga, they were in the shit. Yeah. And other people like Uhura, Pike, uh, Una, um, they just were not in the Klingon War. They were doing other things. Like they were focused on other stuff. So it draws this distinction that's pretty important because it comes to a head in the Pike Mbenga conversation at the yes. end, which, yeah. uh, which is people who dealt very clearly and very personally with the way the Klingons waged war and the people that are removed from it. And I think that's important because as we have all of these debates about, is it right? You know, we talk about, uh, you know, Israel, Palestine, we talk about yeah. apartheid, we talk about all these things, you know, a lot of the things that you mentioned, and it's really easy to sit on the sidelines of something and say, well, look, let's all let bygones be bygones. Yeah. Peace is the better way. If we could just see a way through, but you're not living it every day. So how splitting the enterprise crew down the middle in that way, I think was super brilliant and fascinating. Um, I think that, uh, is it Dakra? Pakra? Yeah. Rock? Dakra. Yeah. Da Dakra? The yeah. The ambassador. I mean, does such a great job. I mean, comes in and just the way he is this Klingon defector who has played with such warmth mm -hmm. and is so gracious 
uh, oh, is this like you're rolling out the red carpet for me? Even when Spot, when he burns his hand on Spock's coffee, it's like, hey, it's okay. Like, like he is just, uh, you don't really know. Like, you you, you can see, given the way that Star Trek uh, and Gene Roddenberry sort of established what the universe of Star Trek should be, we want to believe the best of everybody. We want to believe that he wants the best. But you hear Ortega's straight up say he is faking it. He is horrible. And so just watching all of these debates play out, really, really interesting. I mean, and even Pike going to Mbenga and Chapel and saying the Federation actively wants people who fought in the Klingon War to interact with him right. as a way of signaling to everybody else in the Federation that we are all ready to move on and the awkwardness of that conversation. Um, And I think what they did a really nice job of, look, no offense to William Shatner, William Shatnering, because it is a thing of beauty when he does it, but his hatred of the Klingons is so Shakespearean actor acting for the rafters. How dare you? How effing dare you? I mean, he's good. But it's so big, but it, it it doesn't compare to I think the highlight of this episode for me was that dinner scene. And yes. I love this I love the scene the dinner scene in Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, which yeah. this is obviously being compared to, right. but the tension mm-hmm. that Mbenga and Chapel have, just the complete uncomfortability, like in a scene where everyone is just having a conversation. Like my heart was racing. Yeah. Like Mbenga kind of gripping the chair the entire time. Yeah. Ortega's just not being able to keep it under control any longer. Like it was a fascinating, and and then watching Pike or Uhura or even Spock trying to be like, hey, let's just make this work. Let's change yeah. the subject. Let's talk about this. Yeah. It was literally two different sides of this can you forgive a people or not debate happening in real time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fascinating. And then as soon as uh, Doc Ra was like, let's let's fight in Benga. Why don't we have some why don't we do some Klingon judo together? I was like, well, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, but again, a fascinating scene to watch these two people sort of feel each other out uh, from a character standpoint yeah. as they are sort of sparring physically and having Mbenga ask these questions and having him be like, look, Think of how great this is going to be. You and me together showing the world. And look, I know that John and I are going to discuss this at the end, but like where he and where John and I fall on the debate of should you forgive and move on or should you not, I want Umbenga to be like, you're right. We should do this. Like, yeah. let's move on. Like, as per- particularly knowing Star Trek, where it's going to go, we know the Klingons and humans are going to get together. So yeah. in a typical Star Trek episode, you kind of want this moment to happen where it's like, it is good to let go of the past. It is, we should move on and forgive. But you're, I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. And so, and then we get to the final scene, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, it was just a fascinating and raw portrayal of the PTSD of war, of the yeah. challenges. And I think in a very real way showed how truly, truly difficult it is for people that lived through something mm-hmm. like a war to move past it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Michael, you, your parents served uh, during, uh, if I'm correct, during the Vietnam War. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had, uh, you know, experience, personal experience with what their uh, uh, memories are of it and what it, if anything triggered. And of course, you don't need to reveal anything if you don't want to. But like, I'm sure there was things. I grew up when I grew up in Virginia. I grew up, all my friends I grew up with, most of my friends had uh, fathers who had gone to Vietnam. And so I'd hear the stories of them waking up screaming at night and go, you know, going crazy in certain moments because of the uh, the uh, PTSD and reacting to certain things in some way. It, wasn't, it isn't quite, we just finished doing First Blood on the cinephiles and certainly in First Blood, there are a couple of moments where you see the PTSD come back from him being a, a prisoner of war and causing a very strong reaction. So those kinds of things are there and, and still exist and certainly still going on in every theater of war. People come back changed. I mean, Mbenga says that in the, in the episode. And Benga does. He says, you know, Jagal changed people. Jagal changed me. And so does uh, Dakra. He says the same thing. Uh, you know, Jagal changed me and all of that. But the, the thing that I love that is explored here is the idea of if he's a liar, should you should he be allowed to do the things that he's doing um, because he is bringing about peace? So do we have to have the perfect 
people in positions to be able to negotiate peace in certain situations. How come their his ability to negotiate peace is not uh, countered enough by the lives he took and the actions he took, right? And I think Pike brings that up at the end so well to Mbenga when he says, well, who's judge during execution? Who gets to decide these kinds of things? Why do you get to decide these kinds of things? And Mbenga, not giving any quarter, says, well, you've had the privilege of living a life not having experienced this stuff, and you think it, you think the better of people. Well, I've seen darker shit, and so for me, it's not quite that uh, black and white. And Michael, mm-hmm. you and I have had debates about this kind of stuff in our real life growing up for, you know, knowing each other over 20 years. This idea of like, well, you know, you see things in a certain way. I've seen the darker sides of people and I get more suspicious uh, and, and what have you. So it's a very interesting stuff to have this conversation about. And then, of course, the idea of um, what do we do with those feelings? How do we find closure? What's our responsibility to find closure for ourselves with those feelings? Ortegas is clearly a cut wire that is ready when the moment calls for to jump in and battle her going back and forth about whether she's going to go into that dinner or not. Uh, you see her, you know, going with that. And then you see also that chapel is, has a lot. I mean, her squeezing that glass, her telling Spock, there's some things you can't fix, uh, which every, I think every relationship's had that moment where I know you want to fix it, but it's not going to get fixed. Very interesting stuff to see these levels to these characters, Mike, that I think are going to be interesting to play out as this uh, uh, series goes along and where it's going to lead to. Uh, overall yeah and i look i think to that point i mean just really quickly i love mm-hmm. how with everything going on this episode it still carries on the spock chapel yes, relationship right. that's been yep. established so we yep. had charades we had them have their thing in the lower decks uh crossover yep. boimler thought he broke spock and accidentally revealed to chapel that hey you two aren't forever and now you're seeing just the challenges of the of them working through this relationship that yeah. spock in the most adorably Vulcan Spock way is super concerned about chapel. And as Vulcans are not the best at dealing with emotion, having someone who you like, uh, in a just turmoil of emotions and his desire to fix it. And when he is like, when he was like, ah, the, the best thing for you right now would be to not have me around and just turns and walks off. And you're like, you know Spock's little Vulcan half-human feelings are hurt right now, but he just doesn't know what to do about it. And Chapel's like, yeah, I feel bad that he doesn't know what to do, but I'm dealing with my own shit right now. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think they did a really nice job of continuing some of the threads that are going yeah. throughout this season yeah. while still this episode was about Chapel and, and Mbenga and, like, yeah. what they were dealing with. And I think, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you and I, I mean, me watching the scene at the end, knowing that you and I were going to discuss it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> This is the this is the classic you and me argument on like meeting new people. What do we think about this person? What do we think about that person? What do we think yeah. about this political issue? I'm always the pike. And you are. Uh, you but are. I think that the way Mbenga said it or the way it was written more specifically, yeah, yeah. Written the, the, yeah. the you have the privilege right. of thinking the best in people. You have the privilege yeah. of being able to believe this, I think was the best way of putting it because as we talk about privilege in all different ways, uh, you know, it's a yeah. word that gets used a lot these days, but the privilege to believe the best in people is a way that I haven't heard it used before. And I think yeah. it's very, very smart that when you've lived a life where you weren't in a war, you weren't on the front lines of a political conflict, a racial conflict, a yeah. conflict of religious ideals, anything, um, it's easy to say, this is what we all should do. And right. that's where Pike is sitting. And Mbenga's like, cool. Can't do it. Don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think and I think important thing to look at is it's it's you know, if you're looking at it, it's a black man having a conversation oh, yeah. with, a, with a white man using the word privilege because he said, You've had a life where you haven't had to deal with this stuff. I have. And this we can't ignore as being written by Davy Perez, who is a guy who was born in East L.A. to a large Mexican family. He went and studied uh, uh, playwriting, went and studied acting, and then he was a part of the creative development ABC studio. So this is a person of color writing this interaction and I think doing um, giving equal value to both sides, well, like seeing both sides of the of the of the uh, debate and not falling on one side or the other it's up to you as the viewer to decide and that's a rare thing in star trek mike most of the time star trek makes a point of view follows on uh, falls on one side of the issue having two of these strong actors and two of these strong characters kind of come to an an agreement to disagree on this situation 
I thought it was a really interesting way to end the episode. For well, sure. I think, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that as well. I think that yeah. the best thing that they did, and it's not just a Star Trek thing; it's most yeah. sci-fi fantasy. Like in a Superman story, well, good point. Yes, yes. In a Superman point. story, the answer is always there's a way to do it without killing, right. because Superman doesn't kill. It is literally like that is kind of, I mean. Zach Knight, Zack Snyder and Zod aside, which we could all like, you know, debate forever in general, that's a hard and fast rule. If you're telling a Superman story, yeah. this is where Superman's at. If you are telling uh, a Wonder Woman story, she yeah. will kill. She yeah. thinks it's appropriate. So like you're sort of defined by the characters you're using to kind of say, this is the type of story I'm telling. Right. I think the smartest thing they did here is to present this issue mm -hmm. that humans are having with Klingons. And you don't come out of the episode with, oh, yep, this is the right thing. Right. This is not an episode that says, this, this episode poses the question, can you forgive somebody? Should you forgive somebody? Yeah. And to your point, John, even when you discover that that person's backstory is not honest, yeah. what they're doing is still ultimately for the greater good. So right. is it okay? How it poses know? a whole bunch of questions and then very specifically does not answer them. Right, yeah. Which, and yeah. and they have the leeway to do that because we know through Star Trek history yeah. that the Klingons uh, and the, the Klingons and the humans aren't gonna get close to peace for I think Undiscovered Country is a 35 to 40 years after the events of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we know that this moment and what's happening and trying to heal the Federation and Klingons after the Klingon uh, Federation War, it actually doesn't get resolved for almost a half a century. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're just seeing the beginnings of it. So we're allowed to not answer the question. Exactly, which I think is great. And it allows for more of the um, layered acting performances from every actor uh, who was really focused on in this episode. And, and I thought that was fantastic. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into the uh, the other store, the flashback stuff and some Easter egg stuff and get a big discussion about that reveal right after this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Dum, 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 dum. That's not even music to anything. I just felt like something dramatic was called for. Dun, 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 dun. It's no secret I blame him for the death of my son. Anyway, all right, so let's go to the Mood of Jagal flashback here. We see Chapel deploy to a Starfleet mass unit in the middle of a combat zone, and she meets Commander Buck Martinez, played by Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother. And let me give you the history of Clint Howard here. He has a long history of Star Trek. He's been on Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, and Discovery. But, of course, his most famous appearance is as a child in the Carbamite, Carbamite Maneuver from Season 1, Episode 10, where he played Balok, the childish antagonist in that episode. And so iconic uh, seeing Clint Howard in this as well. So it's nice to see him. Now, do I think he should have been called Martinez as a Latino? No, because he looks nothing like a fucking Martinez. But I let it's like his first name is buck so i'm gonna let it go anyway he tells her that she's the head nurse and it cost him some romulan ale which is of course what they have at the dinner in star trek 6 so a nice reference there oh oh well, real quick i also think the difference between the dinners mike is really interesting because one dinner is dealing with people who've actually been in the war and the other dinner is, de is dealing with people who've had the fights with the klingons but not been in the klingon war so it's nice to have Two different yeah. dinners in dealing with this. So anyway, she learns uh, there's no internal organ regenerator. And then we hear about this mysterious Joseph, 
right? Then Chapel treats a badly wounded soldier named Alvarado, and Benga, this is Joseph's appearance, helps her store the soldier's pattern in the transport's buffer. Wow, where have we seen that before? Oh, it's what he did with his daughter, Rukia, in episode, well, we find out he did with his daughter. In season one. In season season one, one, right. Uh, We see them solidify their partnership with a we got this moment uh, that kind of has shades to what we see in the present day of the show, of the episode, rather. We see an Andorian agent try to recruit Mbenga, who was previously apparently a black ops dude who was really good at killing, but just wants to be a doctor now. And we we see Mbenga purge the pattern of the badly wounded soldier from the transporter buffer to save lives, so R.I.P. Alvarado. And then Mbenga establishes a relationship with an ensign Inman played by Brandon Jeffers. Now, I have to tell you this real quick. My friend Jason Inman, who is a massive Star Trek fan, he is connected to the people who wrote the show, and they named this character Ensign Inman as an homage to Jason. So that's a pretty awesome thing. And those of you who know Jason Inman, who follow me in the Outlaw Nation, give him a shout on this one. But he talks about his time back at home, does uh, Ensign Inman, and and then he eventually returns back to war, ignoring Mbenga's treaties to not go back or his desire to list him as like medically impo- medically not cleared to go back to war but he goes uh but then he eventually dies he sees that he sees the endorian agent dead as well and takes this uh Dektong knife which is the uh the uh, klingon knife there and he goes in there takes his protocol 12 gives some of it to nurse chapel and he goes on this one-man mission to try to kill all the klingon warlords including dakra and he does it with Nurse Chapel's blessing. It's a real chilling moment, I wrote this, to see a doctor and a nurse advocate for the death of these opposing generals because I know they're killing civilians, they're killing children, but you're advocating for the death. So I'm like, is there no Hippocratic Oath in Starfleet medical training? I don't know. But it Not leads... when you're on the front lines. Not when you're on the front lines. <laughs> I don't know. But it leads to this big reveal that we find out that the actual butcher of Jagal was Mbenga. He is the one that killed all the Klingon generals while Dakra ran away uh, and escaped from the situation. It wasn't Dakra who killed all these Klingon generals. It was Mbenga. What a reveal. And later we have Nurse Chapel who witnesses this battle between Mbenga and uh, Dakra in sickbay through frosted glass. And she claims that she saw the whole thing and uh, Mbenga kills Dakra with the same knife he used to kill all the Klingon generals. As I said, Nurse Chapel covers for him. And then Pike has the conversation, which we alluded to, and tells Mbenga, look, you can talk to me. We've known each other a long time. If, if, he, if, he, if you started the fight and got out of control, we can figure this out. Uh, and Mbenga refuses to budge on what he is uh, telling of the events are. And, of course, Michael and I already discussed what their end back and forth uh, was as well so michael a lot here visually this was fantastic i mean the money they're sinking into strange new worlds to really make you feel these environments is on full display in these flashbacks but we see this coming together of chapel and mbenga and the decisions that are made because of the atrocities of war going on here so what were your thoughts about the flashback and how it feeds into what we see in present day of this episode well, it's interesting because, and I mean, I think the conversation Mbenga has with uh, Inman is really kind of indicative of what was really cool about this flashback, which is yeah. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek is about explorers. Yeah, it was it, even when we have battles, uh, like the battles with the Borg, it's like everybody, everybody flying in space. We see some the bridge bl- always blows up. There's a lot of smoke. People get thrown across the room. Yeah, but we very rarely see the Federation in wartime. Like, right. that is not what Gene Roddenberry's message, this message, what Gene Roddenberry's message was, hey, man, we're going to explore, see some big nebulas that have weird mental powers, and we're going to work it out because we're all cool, man. We're working together. It's a cool, hippy dippy place in the galaxy. And so kind of showing the other side of this that says, look, the Klingon Federation war was very intense, and it was yeah. very dark, and it was fucked up. Like, yeah. And, and that that is against the ideals of what people join the Federation for. Um, and they kind of managed to hit all of that through the conversations. You know, showing Chapel Throat. The other thing with Star Trek is because of the way that they treat uh, future technology and you see people on the medical bridge, like, you know, unless someone has like some kind of alien 
parasite uh, yeah. that we've never seen before, healing broken bones and wounds and like things like that is pretty easy. So they do a really nice job of right off the bat, like there's no internal organ regenerators. So they're kind of stuck out there without a lot of the things that they normally have. Right. So they got to do some down and dirty medicine. This isn't just a tricorder, like bloop, 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 bloop. All right, your bones heal. Like, <laughs> like Chapel's holding on to a beating heart to try and get that thing yeah. popping again. Like, so I think they did a nice job of kind of for the flashback, getting rid of a lot of the easier medical things that Star Trek has developed, but having a very clear reason, like you're on the front lines, everyone is spread thin, not everybody has all of the things that they should have out there, um, which kind of puts Chapel and Mbenga in a really sort of rough and tough situation. Also, totally does a great job of establishing a lot of the vibe between these two. So a lot of the a lot of the vibe that we've seen obviously in the season 2 premiere but even just the two of them in medical bay together like we now have seen them go through the shit yeah. uh two a couple years prior and that they've kind of been together ever since then it really makes their relationship uh even more interesting and fascinating to me. Yeah. So that was all really 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 interesting and I thought they did a nice job of just giving us a dark side of the Federation. And then yeah. to have uh, to have the guy show up who – they, he doesn't say he's Section 31, but it's kind of implied that oh, like, yeah, yeah, this black actually. ops kind of level. Uh, and then you just get this other piece of Mbenga. Like, dude, you were like a fucking badass. Yeah. You were the shadow. Like, you are like – and that pro, – that, uh, is it Protocol 12? Is that yeah, what Protocol 12, yeah. The, the... Uh, Green that Mbenga developed it. So a lot yeah. of people in Season 1, right. when a lot of us were like, wait a minute. There's like a serum you can take that you're going to like be able to battle some clean. Where did this come from? Well, now we know where it came from. Mbenga made it. And then Mbenga was like, this is bad. I'm not going to make it anymore. But he still yeah. kept some just in case. Just in case. Um, just and in kept case. the knife just in case, apparently. As well, well, and so then that gets into the, so then like, so all that's great. So all of the yeah. war, I think they do a great job. I think kind of setting up that buffer moment. Yeah. was really great to say, oh, yeah, we did see this in season one. This is in, it was it, during the war where he figured out, oh, we can't save these people. Let's put them in the let's put them in the transporter and just kind of leave them there buffering until we can pull them out and fix them later. So it was a great sort of nod to where that idea came from with his daughter in season one, yeah. but then made a really tragic moment when they needed to sort of purge everything to get the transporter working. And it's like you had to sacrifice that guy to save everybody else. So again, just all of these sort of life or death decisions that are being made in the moment in a show that usually plays the, we can save everybody card. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just didn't get that here. So I thought that was all really nice. And then, yeah, the big reveal. So the fact, Let's talk the about fact, it. the fact that Admiral Ra or I'm sorry, ambassador Ra, uh, made his name on. Yes. My generals were killing civilians and it was so disgusting to me that I killed them. And I know that I've done bad, but like that was, that was even too far for me. And that's why I can't stand the Klingons. And I understand they, they're cause like, he's very anti Klingon yeah. throughout, which I think he feels like he needs to be to sort of make good with the Federation, but kind of has this, this very, this is why this was, this was beyond the pale. This was not even good for war times. And that's why I killed them to get away. And that's why I came to you. And he has this whole story. And then the fact that it was like Mbenga who was like, no, I went in and killed them and you fucking ran. You coward. You, yeah. you ran away and you've created this whole story for yourself. But then Ra is like, yeah, but people need that. Like I need to be this so that I can do the good that I'm doing and I am doing good. And you're like, that's not untrue. Right. Um, so it's a really interesting debate. And then the fact that Mbenga kept the knife and kind of one of the reasons that he can get out of the situation is that knife has the blood of all of, of, of Ra's generals on it. Yeah. So based on Ra's own story, that's his knife. It's not that Mbenga didn't have that knife. Right. So the fact that he was stabbed with that knife kind of is like, well, he must have pulled the knife because why would him like it, it kind of corroborates. And so when Chapel and Mbenga sort of are like, look, I got your back. You got my back till we're dead. We've been through the shit. I'm going to tell them exactly what I saw. I saw two people fight and I saw Ra's knife come out and you defended yourself. And even the way Mbenga, like the way they say everything is really great because it's like when, Mbenga, when they're talking about the butcher of Jagal, yeah, you know, the butcher so. of Jagal 
did what he like there are who's talking about Mbenga, who's talking about raw and it's other they're doing that thing that is like i am telling you the truth sort of but yeah i'm saying something so that i can stand by the fact that i am saying what i believe is true and the fact that you're interpreting it in a totally different way not my problem um but just again just a really interesting shade on everything because to your point what Ra is doing is good and we know that's the way history goes like there is peace and he is sort of out there trying to say let's make peace and that's good but he lied and he did horrible things but Mbenga also did horrible things and once and like it just it creates this whole conundrum that like you can't answer it. It's messy. There's yeah. no correct answer. I'm not sure what's right and what's wrong. And I think that's the point of the episode. Yeah. Before we started doing this review, Michael said to me, oh, I, I know that you're going to love this episode. It's one of the darker episodes. Whatever. And he's right, because I love these kinds of things. Because to me and the way I was brought up and the things I've experienced, the world is messy. There are people who are, how can I say this, faulty ambassadors of the truth. There are people who need to have saints, need to have hero worship in order to put some kind of stakes in the ground in order to function. And if you attack their heroes of worship, people flip out, right? And so it's a, we see that going on throughout this entire episode because Ortegas was right. Her standing outside that dinner, not wanting to go, she was something, I, I know he's not telling them the truth. I know he's not really about peace, not really. And she's probably right in a way because it because it, if the Federation starts to fall apart, Clearly, Dakra has shown that he's willing to jump sides to whoever's in power in order to save his own skin. So it wouldn't be surprising if he killed Federation officers or had someone else kill Federation officers so he could escape and go back to the Klingons and say, I've been a spy the whole time for you guys, and here's all the information. So he's not a worthy man with which to give that, um, in my opinion, to give that space of forgiveness or understanding. And I like that because that makes you question things because he was brokering peace. So this idea of faulty ambassadors, and I do find it interesting too, Mbenga is the one that does it. And Chapel lies for him, which is a real interesting situation. She saw through frosted glass. She didn't see much. Frosted glass, that won't hold up in court. But the idea of Mbenga, you know, essentially causing this battle with Ra, and then it's clear that Mbenga, at least us who are watching it, Mbenga kills him. Uh, with yeah. that knife to get vengeance, because I mean that's clear. Yeah, the knife yes, wouldn't have even, clear. The knife wouldn't have even come out if Mbenga hadn't opened the case, hadn't had the case with the knife ready on the table. So clearly, in a way, it's premeditated. You could even argue that he knew that was a possibility. He'd have to use that knife in some way. So, like, if this is a court case, there's a lot of ways to argue both oh. sides of this, which I like. The mess again, the messiness. Because people, humans, whatever species, are messy. And that's just how it is when emotions are involved. But I want to throw this out there. The idea that Mbenga feels, how can I say this, feels warranted to do the things that he's doing is a really interesting thing. There are no pure sides in war. Zero pure sides in war. Vietnamese soldiers killed women and children. Or I mean, American soldiers killed Vietnamese women and children. We have Oppenheimer that is out now in theaters. We killed almost 226,000 people, mostly civilians, Japanese American. Oh, sorry, Japanese citizens, Japanese children, Japanese women. We killed them with the bombs because we say that it saved American lives or it saved soldiers' lives, though we can't really prove that. So it's those things that we make these deals in war because war is messy. So I like that Mbenga had his point of view, but Pike calls him out by saying, hey, who are you to be judge, jury, and executioner? So again, I love that we had all these different points of views thrown in here, Michael, because it's not a clean issue. It's not a black and white issue. And it very much is up for debate. And it's always situational depending on all the X factors involved. Yeah, I mean, look, I, to your point, yeah, I. I don't think, I mean, even though we don't see everything that happened and like we sort of see the actual uh, stabbing happen the same way that Chapel does through the frosted glass, like there's no debate that this wasn't like a, like it's not like, it's not like, like the ambassador jumped at Mbenga and he just grabbed whatever was handy to protect himself. Like (laughs) Mbenga was like, really like, I, like he's staring at that knife. He's like, I know that you're a liar. I know who you really are. I know your true colors. Sure. Peace is great, but I can't get past you and what you did and knowing that you have lied about he like you gave the order to kill those children you right. just ran off like you this was you you did this and you are creating this persona to make yourself this 
saintly hero who's put everything in the past, but you don't, you haven't earned it. And then you have the admiral on the other side, or I'm sorry, the ambassador on the other side saying, look, you're still holding on to everything. I've let it go. I'm, this is about the greater good. This is about peace. This is about saving lives in the future. And if we can bring these people together and you're like, he's not wrong, but also Mbenga's right. Like you lied, yeah. like you're yeah. horrible. And so I do, I exactly echoing what you said, like, I love when Mbenga's like, look, some people aren't worth saving. Some people deserve yeah. to get what they get. And then Pike's like, yeah, and who decides that? Yeah. And Mbenga's like, hmm? I decided it, motherfucker. I stabbed that bitch. But like, you know, it's, it's just like I. It's it, these are the ethical and yeah. moral quandaries that that we shouldn't be able to answer because as a people we can't answer them. You know, right. It's, right. there's a reason. There's a reason that uh, we love it when Luke Skywalker forgives Darth Vader, but there is also a reason that we love John Wick killing everybody because they killed his dog. Right. We we as humans love both. We love both of those things because our highest, most uh, wonderful aspirations say there is good in everybody. Luke Skywalker proved it. Superman's right. right. And then there's like, you killed my fucking dog. I'm <laughs> killing everybody. And we as... We as we as a people, we as a species, but also we as geeks and the things and the stories that we love, we actually love both of those stories and we don't know the right answer. Right, exactly. And because they're all they're situational because of the way they're presented. And I like the fact that both Mbenga and Dakra are flawed human beings for their yeah. own defense. Mbenga has been hiding the fact that he was the butcher of Jagal in order to stay in the situation as to stay a doctor. Because well, he wants to be a healer. Right, because he wants to be a healer. Dakra is also lying about being the butcher of Jagal because he wants to be a healer or a, a in bringer his way. Yeah, in a different so, way. So that's what I'm saying. So to me, they're actually, and, and uh, um, Dakra says this to Mbenga, we're actually more similar than think. We're kind of like the same person, which really infuriates Mbenga. And isn't that one of the hardest things with pe for people of war who are on the other side to see is that they can be just as bad as the other side. They just don't want to face it, right? And yeah. so- I love that. And, and we're well, in a world now where we can be much more circumspect about who is right and who was wrong in war. Right. I mean, I'm, Nazis are pretty much, yeah, there's no forgiving that, but the, I, but what we've explored with a lot of movies in on the Nazi side of things is how many of these were just people who were in Germany and were recruited and forced to do well, this because their families would be killed or whatever. So there's, there's, there's now space to have much more perspective. And even All Quiet on the Western Front, which was nominated for Best Picture last year, showing you the German side in World War One and how yeah. that can be like manipulated and you can be twisted as a young man to go and fight for this side, but see the reality of the uselessness of war. You know? Well, and it's also where the Klingons are sort of uniquely situated yeah. Yeah. to have this debate around. Because, look, I, I think the episode does a great job of Uhura, uh, Una, even Pike, uh, come across a little bit tone deaf. Yes, 100%. A little yes. bit like, I know that you are, what you believe is good. Yeah. But come on, man. Like, don't ask them to come to that dinner. But then at the same time, Ortegas and Chapel and Mbenga, even though yeah. we really understand where they're coming from, just you're like, come on, man. Like, because we know that we love, we love Worf. Yeah, yeah, right. We love Torres on Voyager. Yeah. Like, we love oh. these Klingons Yeah, way down the line. Um, <laughs> and we think Klingons are pretty cool. So, yeah. like, a part of us is like, come on, man. We know You're, you're going to have to get over it because Klingons are this. And so it nobody's right, nobody's wrong. It's just really messy. And, again, like I said, like, it's very interesting because Klingons, when you think of, like, how, what we – I mean, even what we like about Klingons, which is all they want to do is fight – they don't have a word for retreat. They don't have a word. Like, they, they, they don't have tear ducts. Like, they can't cry. Like, they are just fucking fighter. They are, they are Spartans with rhinoceros heads. I mean, like, they are just, like, they are just all down the line. And so, yeah, that's great and fun to play with when they're your friends. Right. When Worf is your ride-or-die homie and calls you a warrior and says, today is a good day to die, we're like, my man. But fighting people who are that ruthless – 
who are just going to kill yeah. everybody in your path. Like that's horrible. Right. And so again, because we've gone through all of this, we've gone through the peace talks of undiscovered country. We've gone through loving wharf in deep in, in next generation and yeah. deep space nine and Picard season three. Um, it's, we want everybody to like Klingons and we also understand why they hate them this close to that war. And yeah. it's just a fascinating discussion. They're like Jamie Lannister. I mean, that's the thing. We enjoy yeah. that about our dramas when we see someone initially is so terrible. What? Negan is still around in Walking Dead, and now he's a fucking hero in Walking Dead after having killed Glenn in Walking Dead. So it's those kinds of and working with Maggie for fuck's sake. So it's just those things that are interesting in drama to write these things out in drama and explore them. And because they they make us as viewers question things. They make uh, they put us in an interesting position to decide how we feel about this uh, character. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate it when it's done well. I mean, it's just and this episode I think really uh, knocked it out of the park in 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 dealing with an interaction like this. It was so brilliant. Davy Davy Perez did such a wonderful job of having shades of Star Trek Six, but not making it feel like he was tracing Star Trek Six. There were elements here that I liked and really. Well, it's a. They're like bookends. Yeah. I mean, they're they're yeah. bookends to each other because although, yes, this is about a Klingon ambassador coming to sort of talk about how we need to make peace. Right. We know that they don't. We know what's going to yeah, happen yeah, yeah. over the yeah, next, yeah. like, you know, 100, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And even in Undiscovered Country, that's the beginning of peace between the Federation and uh, mm -hmm. the Klingon Empire. It's not until we get to Next Generation where they're mostly cool with each other. And that yeah. just depends unless you meet a bird of prey that's having a bad day and then it could <laughs> still go to shit. So, you know, it's like it's the fact that this is we know that these are the very first very tenuous steps yeah. and that we are a far, far way away from doing it. And I think, you know, kind of that's the point of all of this is there's a there's a part of this that is just generational like if 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 two if two groups of people for whatever reason yeah. are at war and both sides do horrible horrible shit yeah it's not until you get two or three generations removed from that where everybody can have that perspective that pike has yeah because it's not until you get two or three generations past something that everybody has the privilege to have not have lived through it Right, right. And that's when you can start to make peace. So that is kind of what happens in the fictional world of the Federation. And that's kind of what happens in our world, too. Yeah. And a chilling part of this is that both times, both in Star Trek six and in this episode, when a Klingon ambassador comes aboard the Enterprise, they are killed eventually by an by a Federation uh, officer or uh, a, killed by killed by a plot by a Federation officer uh, here in in both Star Trek Six and in this episode. So I find yeah, but in Star Trek Six you got all that really cool anti gravity blood bubbling <laughs> everywhere, and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty looks awesome. cheesy now, but like when I was in the movie theater, I was like, whoa. It was pretty badass. Let's hit some of these quick uh, uh, um, Easter eggs that I haven't hit. Um, we hear the boatswain whistle when um, Ambassador mm -hmm. Ra comes aboard the ship, which is, of course, what we saw in Undiscovered Country when the when David Warner and those Klingons came aboard the ship as well, which I thought was a nice reference. We talked about Protocol 12 already. Uh, it is not Starfleet approved, Michael, and it has deleterious, deleterious sorry, health effects. So what yeah, is when that he said, When he said it like... It, what do you get? It pumps you full of adrenaline and uh, and and masks your pain inhibitors. I was like, oh, so it's like drinking a four loco. <laughs> okay, yes, very much so. Nice rep. Uh, Uhura also mentions Anar ex existentialism, which is um, when talking to Rob about his pacifist uh, views. And Anar Anar are the pacifist species that live on Andoria alongside the Andorians, which was introduced in Enterprise all the way yep. back to Enterprise. And the most rev uh, relevant Anar in Strange New Worlds was Hemmer. So clearly she still has Hemmer on her mind from the last episode. Which I thought was nice. I yeah. thought a nice, like, touch. Like you said, furthering the Nurse Chapel storyline with Spock, but also furthering a little bit further, uh, sorry, furthering a little bit of Uhura's storyline as well. And, of course, the knife that was used to kill um, uh, 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 Ambassador Ra and kill the other Klingon warlords is the same knife that was used in, in Star Trek Three to kill Kirk's son. Uh, which of course has sh bleeds into Star Trek Six when they're uh, him and Bones are unfairly accused of uh, of killing the ambassador there in Star Trek Six. So you know there's a lot of references, a lot of allusions to Star Trek Six throughout. But I thought the episode really nailed it, Mike, and uh, made me very excited to see what's 
going to come next. Yes, we've got the musical episode, but I hope we go back to what this means and what the implications will be for Mbenga and Chapel uh, down the road. Um, but I would have liked to have seen a uh, criticism. I would have liked to have seen more of Ortega's involved in this beyond her having the debate with Uhura and then uh, standing up and having that issue at the dinner. I wa- there's no closure for her. There's closure for Chapel and for Mbenga to a degree because they were the ones Chapel wanted uh, Mbenga to kill Ra back then and on the Jagal and on the moon of Jagal and also here on the ship in a way. So she covers for him in a way tacitly endorsing his actions, but Ortega Ortega's doesn't have any real closure yeah. here in this situation. So I wonder if that's coming down the road. So yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair mm-hmm. comment. Um, but yeah, other than that, banger episode. Yeah. Banger. Season two is killing it. Like like I said, uh, you know, as far as just final thoughts go, yeah, yeah, um please. uh the I think I I really loved season one of Strange New Worlds. And I think I've mentioned this before. I think my one critique of the first season was while I really enjoyed the full cast, like loved the crew, yeah. uh, you know, Spock and Pike were kind of a focal point and like you know, everyone else had some nice moments and nice episodes, but I, I kind of left uh, season one going, I, I generally like the cast, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I feel like we were just doing all these really cool, interesting situations, kind of sci-fi story of the week. And I don't feel like I got to really dive in with the cast as much as I wanted. And they have more than made up for that in season two. I mean, yeah. just every single character has had some pretty major stuff to your point. I think Ortegas has had the least, yes. um, but still just a really great fun character and who I want to see more of. So yeah. I feel like they've done a really nice job of really telling some banger stories, really just like going all over the map in what they are able to do yeah. uh, as far as tone. You know, like I said, shifting from like all out comedy to legal drama to time travel adventure to heavy war ethical quandary. Um, and I can't wait to see the musical episode. So I just think they've done such a nice job and like they. Strange New World is like a, a gem in the Star Trek crown that's getting yeah. more and more and more uh, sparkly. Oh, sparkly. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just, it, 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 this this makes me, like I said, we got the musical episode. No idea what the finale is going to be. Yeah, right. But very excited at this point because they've not really let us down so far. No. And can't wait to see, there's no way that there's not going to be a season three of Strange New World. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I can't wait to see what that's going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. And episode 10 is called Hegemony. So uh, I wonder what that means. And Pelia is on the cover for Hegemony. So is the Pelia, Pelia who's been kind of only sprinkled in throughout? Uh, maybe there's going to be a Pelia episode there for the finale. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, lo- love love her. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wonder yeah. what that, uh, yeah. Hegemony, so, like I said, Hegemony is, uh, is like, you know, it's, 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 uh, like one group leading over dom one group one group or people dominating over another people and so that is a a loaded word for a fe- for a season finale that's for sure that's for sure uh but yeah great episode love it uh, let's let's move. I, I don't I, we'll see how we feel about the musical episode I, well, I'm gonna tell you right now yeah? I'm gonna tell you right now yeah I watched that I watched that teaser for that musical episode y'all better get ready because I'm gonna love it <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. You see a bunch of people dancing around the Enterprise, like dancing down those hallways with choreography. Yeah. I am already sold. I'm in. One thing that's great about Stranger Worlds, I know we got to wrap up, is that there's all, even with all the joy of an episode, there's always a little bit of darkness sprinkled in. So I like that we've got um, uh, La'an have, seeing Kirk in her bed under the sheets and all this as she's singing. So it's going to be a little bit of that kind of sadness in certain moments we'll see what the nurse chapel and spock song is and all of that so i'm i'm so curious to see uh what the slightly dark uh undertone will be throughout the joy of all this singing uh that makes uh, stranger world such a great show for sure uh, all right well there you go that's our spoiler review here for uh episode eight of season two uh under the cloak of war thank you very much for joining us michael please what do we have to tell 
If you would like to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, you can do so at the Roca says. If you would like to follow me, you can do so at MKTune. And while you are doing things that you would like to do, we would also like you to smash that like button right below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. How did you feel about this episode? How do you feel about the moral quandaries? How do you feel about season two of Strange New Worlds? And so far, what is your favorite episode? Let us know in the comments below. We'd love to see it. If you are listening to us on a podcast go ahead and leave some stars and comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us and as always the best thing that you can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go can't add much more to that all right y'all take care of yourselves be well have a great rest of your weekend and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here on the geek buddies Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.